Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design 101. How to design a beautiful home and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and life. Who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty, and my team and I do the best damn design in the country. But I'll help you create a beautiful design that is also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone. This is Amanda Gates. Welcome to Home Energy Design. As many of you know, I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. For years, it has not been unconventional to be called a witch, superstitious, voodoo, and everything in between. So today, I have Laura Brown from Of Spirit and Bone on the show. Now, don't be fooled. Laura is a witch. However, some may like to call her an intuitive. But don't be fooled by glossy, modern-day, safe propaganda. She is a witch. She's a soothsayer. And I can feel your butts pucker as I say that. We are so conditioned to think that the word witch is something to be feared. It's in our DNA, right? Here's some food for thought. The word Wicca, which was originally an old English noun, is a word meaning wise. It was for a sorcerer or a sorceress. And here's the thing. Witchcraft, the word is just craft of the wise. Witchcraft becomes known around 560 BC, when at this time, the Old Testament condemns the idea of a witch. Now, most of us are familiar with witches and witchcraft because of the Salem witch trials that took place of 1692. They are by far the most well-known in our history. Witchcraft was generational craft handed down through the ages to help heal, not control. But as Christianity swept the globe, so did its controlling patriarchal conditioning that women and men were less than if they practiced the craft of the wise. It's been documented that women would be burned at the stake during the Salem witch trials simply for healing a herd of cattle or because they owned a cat. Many of us, when we even hear the word witch, conjure up this idea in our head of an old hag in a black robe with warts all over her, wearing a pointy hat and a broomstick. I mean, Wizard of Oz, right? But do you really know your fellow witch? Here are some fun facts about witches that most of you probably don't know. They celebrate summer. They are all about connectedness. They cherish self-awakening. They are connected to nature. They honor the nature gods. They see food as medicine. They sing, they dance, and they pray. They burn candles and light incense. They use herbs over prescriptions. They desire community. They don't cast spells, they call in blessings, they meditate, and unfortunately, they use their brooms to clean their kitchens. This, my friends, is a witch. 
Now, I don't know about you, but this pretty much sums up my life. So, with that being said, I guess I'm a witch. And I'm so excited to have Laura Brown on the show today because she, too, is everything from an intuitive, a soothsayer, and calls herself a sassy, witchy mama. Are you ready to meet her? Let's get started. I'm so glad you heard me, too. I was like, I'm going to be the really giddy one that is a little annoying because I'm just so excited. <laughs> it's funny. I... um. I just wrapped a podcast with Janie Moon. Um, she is out of New York and does like goddess circles. And she's also a media coach to help women give back their voices, which I just freaking love. Mm -hmm. um, but it's funny because I was talking at the end of the podcast, like I have really loved like the last seven or eight years of my life because as I have really embraced my woo, like the weirder I get, the more amazing people I attract. <laughs> I love that. Embracing the woo. Embracing the woo. And so the soup of people, like, you know, it's just like, I feel like, um, I have all of these amazing people coming up in my life and like, it, it just keeps getting better and better. And I just, it's just such a, a sweet spot to be in. Right. And it's so affirming, right, to have this sort of rush of individuals that capture your attention by virtue of a change that you made, that you're on the right path. Well, and it's things that um, just really are exciting and joyful and pleasurable. And um, I just finished um, Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness, and she really talks about this sense of belonging and you know, especially women, what we put ourselves through and, and just the act of trying to fit in and the things that we sacrifice in doing that. Um, mm -hmm. It was just, I'm going to have to reread it. Like, it, it. like every single, literally every single sentence, I was like, I have to underline that. I have to remember that. I have to underline that. I do that with my, I, I have a lot of my books on the Kindle. So I end up like you, they have that highlight feature. And so I'm highlighting. And by the end of the book, I've got probably 75% of it highlighted. It's like, I should find some other more efficient way of keeping tab on all this. Right, right. Okay, so let me back up a little bit. I want to give you a proper introduction. We just I knew this was going to happen that we were just going to like roll into it. So <laughs> Hey, hey, everyone. This is Amanda Gates, and we have already started, like, without any hesitation. Laura and I have already started talking, but I wanted to formally introduce Laura Brown to the show of Spirit and Bone. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. So I have um, been secretly stalking Laura for close to a year. And I admit it, <laughs> I, I'm not going to deny any, any of this whatsoever. I have been stalking you. I think what I love, um, and I, uh, encourage all of you who are listening to this to, um, go over to Laura's Instagram. Is it at of spirit and bone? It is. Yes. Um, at of spirit and bone. And I encourage all of you to check her out. I find that what I love the most about your Instagram is that um, your feed to me is just inspirational and it's motivational. It makes me think um, and it just puts me in that really good woo, uh, warm and fuzzy space. 
is the Aww. best way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm after. So that's awesome validation. <laughs> Without a doubt. So I think one of the things that, um, and you and I were just talking about this, like as I've really embraced my woo and, and, you know, I'm, I'm just attracting the most amazing people in my life. But I think what has really attracted me to you is a couple of things. I love that you like just really are empowered and stand in your truth of, yes, I'm an intuitive. Yes, I'm a soothsayer. Yes, I'm a witch. I'm okay with that. Like, I, I love that you just really like put your stake in the ground and put it out there. And I think the other thing that I think is so amazing is that you were on the trajectory of doing something quite conventional and acceptable in our society, highly acceptable, and chose this different path. So I love the fact that you bring such an intelligence behind um, what you do, um, which I think is very validating. But tell us about that journey of turning away kind of where you were headed and going into this world that, which we were just talking about with Brene Brown, braving the wilderness. I mean, braving the wilderness. <laughs> yes, exactly. The wild tundra of our being. Oh, of course. Well, yeah, I, I started on um, this pathway towards you know, well, let me back up and explain. I, I'm from the Midwest and Michigan specifically, where the term meditation is is not oft heard. <laughs> um, there's not, you know, you you kind of there's it's the place where I say it's kind of devoid, even though it's really not. There's pockets, but growing up, that was not really part of my life. And so I did what most and what I felt most people, young adults do, is you go off to college and you get your normal standard degree and you find the person you're supposed to marry and you, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. And so I did that. I was in college and I was with this gentleman that I had been in a relationship with for a while and we were expecting a little one and I'm, you know, slaving away at this double major, you know, in international relations and women's studies. I'm going to become a lawyer. I'm going to fight the system and I needed to make money <laughs> and I knew I was always intuitive. I needed to pay the bills. I needed to find also something that filled a void that I was becoming becoming more and more aware of. Um, and it was this sense of just being disconnected from the trajectory of how I was envisioning I would assist women and empower women. Um, and what was starting to become this growing awareness that there was more to what I could offer than just that. And so I kind of did it the backwards way in the sense that I pursued one element of study and started actually working as a reader and doing intuitive readings and doing tarot readings. And um, that's when I kind of came into my own embracing my woo, as we talked about, and owning my um, alternative spirituality, which, I, you know, I call myself a witch. And I, I found that it was so fulfilling that it was fulfilling on a personal level and that it helped me to find my own healing path. But it was also incredibly gratifying to see that I was making a difference and not in this very long term years down the road. I know I'm going to, you know, what I'm doing is going to make a difference through, you know, the bureaucracy of American government, but in a very, very visceral, very face-to-face -face way that touched me 
and empowered me and made me feel as though something had just clicked. And at the time I was, you know, at this point I had been doing readings for a couple of years. I was nearly to the end of my, my schooling and kind of everything fell apart. And I decided I didn't want to be in my relationship anymore. There was just this call within me that it was time for a change. And part of that change was I realized what I was doing as sort of my side hustle, quote unquote, was really what I wanted to do for my my soul's purpose, my work, you know, the entirety of it. And so I just decided that that was what I was going to do. And I left school. I left my relationship. My son and I moved to Salem, Massachusetts, and I went about creating a career and making this sort, you know, quote unquote, side hustle, my vocation, my my career. And I have not looked back since. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I have so many questions. Um, (laughs) So I love that you answered the calling. I think that especially as women, um, I feel like a lot of us are kind of conditioned to not really follow our joy. You know, I think it's more in our DNA. So I love that you did it at such an early age when, you know, it it can be really scary um, to make that decision. I think a lot of women, you know, wait until they're in their forties or fifties to make such a big leap and you figured it out so quickly, which is awesome. Um, (laughs) but I'm curious, uh, as far as the intuition and, and like you've, you've obviously made this into your full-time career. When did you really start to know that you had this woo side of you with being an intuitive and, and, you know, being a witchy witch, like when was that first experience for you as a child when you were like, well, I'm different. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, actually uh, my mom, bless her, her heart, used to tell this story about how around five or six years old, I came to her with this fantastic story asking her. Um, these questions surrounding this memory I had. And she kind of looked at me like I had something growing out of my forehead because it was not a memory that, that, you know, I mean, at this point, six years old, I haven't done a whole hell of a lot that she hasn't been in, you know, involved with. And so she knew that this was not the case. And I remember even um, her saying to me, you asked if you, when did you have brown hair? And I was like a toe hat. I had the whitest white of hairs. It was just, I, I kind of looked a little bit like I um, was an albino when I was younger because <laughs> I had this really fair skin and and beautiful blue eyes and white hair and, you know, the beauty of youth, I guess. But, um, I was just, I, I had this sense of, of when I came to her that this really happened and years as she would tell this story, we, we came to the realization it was quite likely a past life memory. Because even to this day, while I don't remember specifically coming to my mom about this, I remember everything about what she, what I had come to her with. So it's almost this this part of my soul memory that I I can't shake. I mean, it's just a part of of my makeup. And and the other instance that stands out was around 13 years old. My grandfather passed away, and he had um, he had given me this ginormous computer that he had 
been, you know, instrumental in helping to create or what have you. And it was so old. <laughs> and it was in this tiny little screen that was part of the whole machine. It was all this one machine. And it was this tiny screen that was to the left. And to the right, there was this spool of paper. And then you had your keyboard built in. And I remember when he passed away that he did not want the fanfare, no anything. So I decided, well, I'm going to write out what would be my eulogy. If I could, if I had the opportunity to speak about him, I'm going to, you know, use this as my opportunity to type it out and to let it flow from me. And I'm typing and I'm getting a little emotional. And the next thing you know, the computer, which at this point had been in fine working condition, just started to spark and to fizzle. And there was a flame that popped out and smoke is going everywhere. And so my mom just comes and rips it right off from the wall, the, the plug that is. And I just remember immediately, being like grandpa is mad as hell that I am wallowing you know grandpa that is a message from grandpa that he does not want me eulogizing him and crying and you know that's not why he gave me this computer um and so those were the two instances that stood out as I was growing up sort of feeling a little bit like you know maybe there's something different about me but I, I don't think that I ever really put it together because for me, it's very natural. For those who perhaps have not strengthened or opened to that particular knowing or sense, it can be quite a different experience. But I do think that we're all unique in that way. You know, I, I find intuition to be a very innate quality that either we strengthen or we don't. And depending upon that determines, you know, whether or not that plays a role in our life. So, uh, to the point of college, you hadn't really um, done much with it. So what was it in college that made you go, I'm going to do this? Like, was there a defining moment for you? Or you were just like, you know, I just need a side hustle to help pay the bills? You know, I had always used it when it came to decision making. And I would always be very aware of, you know, just that feeling. We all have it. You know, you have a decision before you. Sometimes you feel like, okay, this this is feeling good. Sometimes you, you know, have the adver have an adverse reaction and you kind of step back from it. So I did utilize intuition in that regard. But I came to the realization that this was a way that I could help other people put food in our bellies and help support my education. And that was more, you know, my father always says that I am a little bit ass backwards in that I kind of just come to a decision and throw myself into it. <laughs> and that, and that very much is how I, I approach this is it just, it hit me one day that this could be something that I could do that would have meaning for me, meaning for others. And why not? I love it. Okay. So the third, fourth, fifth, whatever question it was in the back <laughs> of my head is that I, I bells were going off when you said that you moved to Salem. So I'm curious, what drew you to that area as far? I, I've been wanting to make the a trip to Salem. I've been told by many intuitives that I was a part of the Salem witch trials. Um, mm. I've had other women who I've met that we couldn't explain it, but we knew that we had traveled together. Um, a good friend of mine who's a third generation uh, medicine woman was a part of the Salem witch trials, and um, she and I were in them together. So uh, there's a part of me that really wants to go back to that, to connect to that energy and kind of heal that energy. And at the same time, I'm a little bit like, well, is it really necessary? So I'm curious yeah. for you, obviously, I feel like we are 
we come back, you know, in each life, we do something similar. I don't really feel like, you know, I've ever come into this, this world and been like a scientific researcher. I mean, maybe I have, but I feel like we really stay close to our roots and, (laughs) you know, I'm a feng shui (laughs) practitioner now. I'm very woo. I I do, you know, I'm, I'm here in Nashville. I've been called a witch many times just because, you know, people think what I do is very superstitious. So I'm curious what that experience was like for you, because I feel like um, I have gone to many sacred uh, places like that, and the energy is palpable, um, especially for somebody who is very in tune with energy, and and I believe you're um, claircognizant, is that right? Yes, yes. So, and, and empath, so connecting with emotion and energy yeah. of, of a of place or even a person situation is, is definitely on so my radar. So that's like information overload of all the places in the world to go. So what was that like and why did you go there? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it was kind of on my bucket list for a few reasons. And, and the first is that, yes, at this point I, I was um, – a practicing witch and I had delved into witchcraft. And again, growing up where I did in the Midwest, there weren't resources for that. Um, there, you know, I was very much, if I didn't already feel a bit like an outsider, because I would spout off at the mouth about something that, you know, I had seen or felt or picked up on that people are like, how do you know that? Um, then I definitely felt even more outside of that realm, uh, when I started practicing as a witch and practicing witchcraft. And so it was obviously on my bucket list for that. But also I was a history buff. I loved hearing um, and studying in school and in college about history and, and the entire idea of what transpired there and the psychology of it as well as the mysticism was always incredibly intriguing to me and so I knew at this point when I moved out there that eventually I was going to be relocating to Colorado my husband my now husband my then um, sort of boyfriend uh, was already out here so I knew I'd be relocating at a certain point and I didn't want to leave that side of the country without knocking a few things off my bucket list and so I decided you know what and this was literally in the end, just probably a week's time. I decided that I was not just going to leave my relationship in school, but I was going to leave the only place that I had ever known as home. Because again, I like to do things the hard way, quote unquote. <laughs> and so I packed us all up in the U-Haul, put my car up on a dolly behind said U-Haul and traveled through Canada all the way over to Massachusetts and um, and got arrived in Salem, finding my place to live for us in route. My girlfriend in Vegas was on the phone with me calling um people from Craigslist that had their rentals, you know, listed and called me up probably two hours outside of Salem and said, I found you a place, you know, they're going to meet you as soon as you arrive. I arrived, I knew in my bones, it was the place to be. And, you know, I just, I settled right in. And that is what I loved about my living in Salem. And I don't know that everybody would feel this way, but I felt such a resonance with the location that everything from the decision to move there to not having even a place to live while I'm in route to walking up the steps of this new place, everything just fit perfectly and it was resonant. And I knew I was supposed to be there. And 
suddenly I went from feeling ostracized and sort of the outsider within my community to being amongst so many who were like me. And that's a very life-altering experience when you've spent the first 25 years of your life in a totally different environment. And the the onslaught of... of I wouldn't say training, but having to learn and having to study, that was sort of also sort of put into motion because of living there, because it is such a place. It's a vortex with so much energy, so much history, so much hardship and heartbreak and and just pain that you cannot, I, I feel that even if you are, you would call yourself the least intuitive person, it is impossible to come into that area and to not on some level feel something. So for those of us who are exceptionally um, sensitive to energy and emotion, it is it sort of quickens your learning. It quickens your studying. And like I said, I kind of do things backwards. Even when I began reading, I didn't pay a lot of attention to um, to grounding or to circling or to protecting my energy or to cleansing my energy. And suddenly in Salem, I, I was confronted with the need to do that because otherwise it was, it was insomnia and becoming overly emotional and you don't understand why. And just this onslaught of just getting all these little intuitive pings all around you that for me, it actually forced me to formally embark on training both in terms of the intuitive arts but also with getting back into my sort of calling which is also traditional therapeutics I love it I you know I the majority of the audience that listens to this show are women and I think what I mean you said so many beautiful things but I I think what um, I would really take away from that story. And I want everybody who's listening. Um, I know that many of my listeners are doing other things as they listen. But what I think is so great about this story is that we are often paralyzed by fear. And so we tend to overthink things and we question ourselves and whether we think we deserve it or we're worthy of it or, you know, it, we are just paralyzed by the fear of the what ifs. And I love the fact that you just decided on an inkling to uproot yourself and literally on the way there are finding a place to live is proof positive that you can do it. Beautiful things came out of it. Um, mm -hmm. It really honored who you are at a soul level and nurtured who you were at a soul level and really blossomed you and kind of pushed you out into the world of who you are today. And you did it all on a whim. And I think that is okay. I think that so often we are so fearful of, oh my God, but what if this happens? Or, oh my God, I can't find a place. And oh my God, how am I going to do that? And oh my God, I have a child. And you know, before you know right. it. You've talked yourself out of it, and then you're still in the same place 30 years from now. Right, right. I mean, that idea of just looking around at your life and not feeling aligned with what you're currently doing and feeling that you can do more, it's one of those things that if we don't jump on that – 
If we don't really allow that momentum of that realization to carry us through, there's so many pitfalls on the path. If they're not self-created, then they're environmentally created. You know, we have enough things that, you know, that kind of impede our path on the external. And so we don't want to get in our own way. It's so important to listen to that yearning and to listen to that calling as a whole, because it really is the way to find where we're supposed to be. You know, and I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that we all come with this singular purpose. Some of us, as Elizabeth Gilbert once said, are holy shit. I was just thinking of her as you said that. Oh my God, that's so crazy. <laughs> uh, her hummingbird discussion is it is beyond, it changed my life and just it made me feel so much better about some of the decisions that I've made. Because, you know, to anybody else, you know, to a lot of people, I guess I should say, making decisions on the fly like that, especially when you do have somebody who's depending on you, such as a child, it seems ludicrous and it seems irresponsible. But And, and sometimes it can be. But there are certain times where you need to allow yourself to take that flight of the hummingbird and to explore and to just trust. And I've found, at least in my life and many of my clients, is that when we listen to that call of the soul and when we allow ourselves to just trust, to trust, trust in the universe, to trust in God, goddess, whatever you want to call that divinity, and to trust in, in what we are feeling, this very uncanny thing happens and everything just kind of falls into place. <laughs> and we, we we get to where we were meant to be. And that is such an empowering feeling because it reminds us in those challenging times, even when maybe we're not doing a life overhaul, that you know what? I can do this. You know, it may seem impossible right now, but I know that I have what it takes to find my way out of this or through it. Amen. I love it. That was so bizarre. I was literally uh, like, as you were talking, I was like formulating my words from Elizabeth Gilbert and then you took them right out of my mouth. Well, sorry to snatch your words, but that I'm telling you, that is such a powerful speech of hers. Wow. Or I guess I should say. So I'm curious, like back in the day when you are in kind of the what I would call the thick of it, um, kind of building the plane as you're flying it, literally, what did you envision back then? Like, what did this this so-called little side hustle look like? And were you able to see far enough ahead to see what it could be? Or had you not even gotten that far? Like, tell us those first couple of uh, months, years, what that was like for you. Well, you know, when I began reading, and this was so long ago, you know, back when Jesus lost his slippers, I worked for a, pa a pad site, you know, where you did um, permanent readings, where they took a cut of your commission, they did all the hard work. And so I was just, I, I found that I was Number one, it was a great learning experience because I had to tap into my intuition uber fast and it taught me so many things. But I was so exhausted by the end of it that I don't think that I really allowed what was happening and trans transpiring on that internal level to to really get the recognition that it deserved. It took a few years of kind of finding my cadence and to kind of moving away from even though I started to do, I still work for the pad site, I started to formulate my own website and I started to do my my own readings on my own terms, um, that things started moving away from 
just strictly offering people prediction and helping them to understand sort of what brought them to this moment and what decisions and how their choices would impact the path going forward. And it was at that moment, I would say around two to three years of my having started doing readings, that I I realized that this was bigger. I realized that it was more than just doing quote unquote intuitive readings or psychic readings that the the sessions I was starting to create the bones of was this blend of, of coaching. I didn't know it at the time, but coaching slash therapy as well as intuitive reading. And that was the moment where I really sort of had the light bulbs going off where I was like, wow, this could be, a way of really helping those who could benefit from an enriched spiritual experience also create the framework for their very modern lives. And so all of a sudden it kind of became this idea where I didn't have necessarily, I've never been a goal person. I've never really said I've got a five-year goal, a 10-year goal, because I kind of learned early on that I'm more of a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants type individual. But I did know at that moment that this was the work I wanted to do. And that for me, if I could create a framework of empowering women in this container of doing what I was doing, this blend of intuitive coaching and reading, I felt so much more attached to that and so much more in line with that than I did the idea of working for the government, uh, you know, or working as a lawyer who was, you know, working for women's rights groups, which is an incredibly demanding relevant, much needed thing in this society, but I didn't feel aligned with that anymore. And I felt like what I was doing in that moment was so much more gratifying because I could see the progress that my clients were embarking upon and that they were attaining. And it gave me empowerment. It gave them empowerment. And from that moment, I just knew one way or the other, I'm going to make this work. And I've, you know, you, you do a dance, a little two-step, you know, through the years of things change and, and shift. But ultimately, my only vision was I want to be able to take this to as many women as possible. And however I have to do that, I, you know, as long as it's in line with my values, then that's what I'm going to do. And it makes perfect sense to me. I mean, it really does, because I think that a lot of women especially seek out coaches. I know I do. I've always worked with a coach for at least the last 10 years. And it makes sense to me to work with somebody who is a little bit more aware and isn't intuitive, because I feel like you can get more of that straight line, you know, as close as possible um, and really get to the heart of the matter. And I think sometimes we're making decisions based on the wrong ideals. We're making decisions Uh, based on what we think we should do or what we think we want. And we're not really getting to the root of the problem. And I think someone like you can just like pull it right out of us and go, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not just that, but limiting beliefs. I mean, how much of what we carry with us, if we've never worked with a coach or if we've found traditional talk therapy to be lacking, how much of what we carry with us and allow to influence our day-to-day and our choices is derived from our past and our social um, upbringing, our social environment, our, our lineage, our, you know, things that were conditioned and sort of impressed upon us that aren't even really a part of who we are today. And so it's not just about, you know, being able to draw that out. It's about helping people to, to tap into and to evaluate 
whether this this the schema, the schematic of what they're working with, the sort of set of, of beliefs and and um, adopted truths are in fact resonant. Are they yours or are they something that was impressed upon you? And is that why maybe there's some friction? You know, that is such a, a poignant thing to say. And so I, I'm going to ask this question because I would really love to hear your answer about it. Um, I have struggled for many years with feng shui on whether I should charge for it or not. I always have this doppelganger or split personality of if I have a true gift because I am an empath and, and I'm um, claircognizant and I, I feel like, you know, I can really help people with their homes that I should um, not charge for it because people need me. And then I have this other side of me that is like, but no, I need to put bread on my table. So right. it's always this constant debate. And so there's this new show on TLC. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called The Healer. And Charlie Goldsmith is an energy healer. And I, you know, it's a it's a very um, recipe-like show. Every show's the same. It's just different people. And I love it because I love the fact that TLC, a major network, is recognizing functional medicine and finally mm. giving honor to something that I feel needs to be recognized, that there are alternative therapies that are much more powerful than allopathic yes. medicine. So I feel very strongly about that. What I don't feel strongly about is that in every single show, they drive home that he does not charge because this is a gift that needs to be given to the world. And so I have noticed that this is pinging back to my limiting belief of I should be giving away this gift for free. And I'm like, why is this stirring things up in me? But I, I had a, I still work with a grandmaster to this day. And so I had this conversation with her uh, the, just this morning. And I was like, you know, I'm not sure why this is bothering me so much, but I watched another episode last night and they drove it home again that uh, he went to a doctor's office and the, both of the doctors said, well, I'm not really sure that I believe in all this and, you know, we can't see it. So is it really real? And, you know, I'll see, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But, but since he ain't charging for it, you know, I'm willing to like take a look into it. And I was like, mother effer, like really <laughs> like, so it was just so passive aggressive of this doctor to be like, you know, well, I mean, he doesn't have any medical training. And so should we really take him seriously? But you know, Hey, he's giving it away for free. So who cares? So to me, it was so devaluing. Mm. So I feel like, especially a lot of this functional medicine and intuitive healing and I am so on board. Like I do this with uh, my other half, David, like he's been having neck issues and I'm like, he's like, I got to go get surgery. I'm like, uh, no, you got to go see the energy healer. And like yeah. my cat Winnie has been having issues and he's like, at what point do we take her to the vet? I'm like, uh, no, we're going to take her to the animal intuitive. Like, you know, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> like I always look into the functional alternative holistic way. I never want, like I, I, I buck the system 100%. So back to my question at hand is um, I want to bring up this conversation about these more um, holistic, alternative, witchy, witch, intuitive ways of is it okay to charge for it? And, and why do people question that? What's your feeling on that? 
Well, firstly, let me say that I am amen all the way, hands to the roof, <laughs> raising it up um, to hear you talk about just the, the idea of holism and not just approaching things, which is the sort of traditional therapeutic uh, schematic, which is, you know, very rhythm and roll mind and body to the to the exclusion of emotion and spirit and so i'm i'm totally on board with that and and to get to your question specifically i think there's a few different things that are at play when it comes to the idea of charging for intuitive slash spiritual services number one is that we need to really strongly evaluate our money story when it comes to that because ultimately if we have hangups surrounding our value and our being able to produce something of value, we oftentimes will devalue it by saying, well, I'm just going to give it away. And it's very important also that we evaluate our money story from the perspective of what is the, the, the connotation or the tone of our relationship with money. Do we characterize it as inherently evil or wrong or unspiritual? That can impede our ability to charge whether we're in any field. Secondly, we have to remember that while that gentleman may not pay for his services, TLC pays him. So it's easy for him to say he doesn't pay for his services. It lends a certain angle in the TV world, as it's known, of, of creating the idea that because he doesn't charge, ergo, he is more genuine. But he is being paid for his services nonetheless because he's not doing that for free. Whether it's because of the PR or TLC pays him, there is an exchange there. Which brings me to my next point, is that we need to have a fair exchange. doesn't matter what you're doing. If you are an awesome grave digger, if you are in a master surgeon who can, who can do the most complex hairline you know, procedures, if you are an intuitive who can tap into the unknown and, and, and to you know, translate that for somebody else to understand, all of that is divinely, you know, could be divinely a gift. To not charge for what you provide does not value yourself, and it does not value the service that you are providing someone else. Furthermore, you're not likely to value what I am providing you if you don't have to exchange it for something you also value. Amen. And so for me, it's it, like I said, it's, it's kind of a multifaceted topic and no doubt a hot button one, but I don't see those such as myself who charge for readings or charge for spiritual services. I don't see that as any different than somebody who charges for therapy or charges, you know, to wash my car. I pay the guy who comes and helps me do my lawn in the summertime when my kids are busy and my husband's at work and I'm doing what I do with my work. He comes over and he helps me and I pay him because I value his helping me. And so that exchange is so crucial to understand that it doesn't really matter what it is that we are doing. All of our gifts come from source. All of our gifts are part of our divine makeup. So if I can, if you can get paid the royal you for being a doctor or a therapist or, a, you know, a landscape artist, why is that any different from my being an intuitive reader getting 
compensation for my work. So I think that we need to sort of demystify the idea of, number one, money not being spiritual, because there's nothing divine about being poor and struggling either. But I think we also need to demystify the idea that what us as alternative therapists in any of that realm, intuitive or otherwise, feng shui, etc., we need to demystify the idea that that is somehow different or more divine than any of the multitudes of way that people live out their soul's purpose. And so it is. And so it is. <laughs> and so it is. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for answering that question because it was a loaded question. And it's it's one that I hold often. And I know that a lot of the uh, women that listen to my show um, do have divine gifts and they do have amazing things to offer the world. And I think women um, um, especially struggle with um, am I worthy enough? Do I deserve this? Should I charge this much? Oh my gosh, it's too much. And I resonate with that because I too have been there. I completely understand that. So thank right. you for answering that. Right. Well, question. and we all have, I mean, and I think that that's where that value, it's just, it's, it's, if we don't value what we put out in this world, why would anybody else? Exactly. And I agree with your exchange theory that, if you give something away for free and there is no exchange of energy, whatever that is, money or otherwise, mm -hmm. it is going to be immediately devalued. So I agree with that 100%. Especially in the level of commitment, right? Because you're not likely to keep a commitment unless you've really put something on the line that you value. Well, and I think that an exchange, whatever it is, money or otherwise, holds people accountable and makes them show up. And what I have noticed is that when I, um, early years, when I would give feng shui away for free is that people wouldn't do the work. And here's the mm. thing, as a feng shui practitioner, I'm kind of like a personal trainer. I can tell you what the ramifications are. I can tell you what's wrong with your space and I can tell you why the things are going wrong and I can give you the tools to fix it. You have to do the work. So I think what's so hard is that, you know, when you don't have that exchange of money, people don't show up and they don't, they're not accountable for it. But man, you charge them several hundred bucks and you're like, um, now you have to do the work. They're like, I'm going to do the work because I invested in this. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's one of those situations where you have to, it, it creates the commitment because to put down that exchange of money, it, you know, requires that you are like, okay, this is something I, I'm serious about doing. But then I always tell my clients that, you know, I can only be as, you know, so good in my job as you are in yours. I, you know, I love your example of being a, a personal trainer or a fitness trainer, because that is, that is very much the case when you're working in this holistic fashion is that we are not gurus. We are not, I don't have an easy button that I can press and magically everything is just going to align for you. I am simply a facilitator. You know, we're facilitators that help others to know what actions they can and cannot take that will benefit them and put them in alignment with their goals. But if they don't take those steps, if they don't do that work, it's not going to happen. So I'm curious what is of spirit and bone to you? A lot of uh, friends that I have are witches and spirit and bone is a, is a big um, thing that I hear a lot. But I want to know what it is to you and why you chose that name for your business. Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, firstly, I see the entire vessel as a container. And that container being a safe place, very much like the safe place I wish I had had 
when I was young and, and growing up in an area where I didn't have a community around me. I think things are a little different now because of the online world. We have access to um, a greater scope of community than, than they did back in my day when Internet was still sort of just coming out. But for me, spirit and bone represents the bridging of the intangible and the tangible. So it's about us being able to open to the spirit, to the soul, to the intuitive guidance that's available to us all. You know, that's one of the key factors of my work is that I really seek to help others do for themselves what I initially do for them or help them with so that they're not dependent upon me so that eventually they reach a point where they're like, I don't need you. And I love that moment. <laughs> like, I can't wait for that moment because then I know I've done my job and I've done what I'm, I'm here to do. And to be able to open to that and to bridge that with bones, which is the framework, it is the support system. It is the, it is the entire schematic of our life that is filled with, you know, parenting and demands on our time with, with kids, with, with other jobs, with our homes, with our friends. We wear many hats. And, and so for me, it's about learning to incorporate that very tender, very delicious aspect of intuition and spirit into the very real and very tangible modern aspects of our life. I love that. And I think it's so important. You know, I always tell my clients and also the audience here how important it is to have a spiritual practice. You know, a spiritual practice isn't something that you come into simply because you're trying to make life bearable, but, you know, you continue a spiritual practice to make life beautiful. And so mm -hmm. I love your idea of really bridging the tangible with the intangible because that's what we're all doing. You know, it's what I do with feng shui. I, I have a what's called a transcendental uh, practice of feng shui. So I am 90% in energy. So a lot of what we do, you included, is very intangible. So mm -hmm. it's that bridge of faith that you're, you're bringing those two aspects together. And I love the idea that you bring up the point that we all have this. If you... Some of it, yes, comes more naturally to other people, but if you practice and hone your skills, we all have the ability to tap into this, but our modern day culture is so fucking chaotic <laughs> yes. and our attention Amen. is so scattered. You know, we, we think that, oh my gosh, I don't have enough time and I'm so busy and it's like, well, get off of Facebook and set your phone down and, you know, connect. Get up off your knees. Well, you know what it is? It's stop being a martyr. Get up off your knees. Stop waiting for the answers to be provided and start doing the legwork. You know, the, 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 the feminist in me is going to say that, you know, there's a bigger reason surrounding why we have this sort of exclusion to the intuitive and all of that. And it isn't necessarily just because it's intangible. I think it also comes from source, but it's sourced in men and women. And the more that we can tap into that feminine unconscious part of ourselves, from which I believe intuition is born, the more that we are capable of living empowered lives that, that feel resonant. You know, I always say that it's about coming, you know, I see spirituality and the need for us to formulate a spiritual practice as a need and a call for us to really tap back into and to realign with our fullness of being. Mm, I love that. I love that. 
This actually brings me, this is such a great transition as I was looking through your website. It's funny because a lot of times when I have guests on the show, I actually will not go to their website because I want to like come in as a complete newbie and ask all the right questions. But like I made the mistake of like looking at one page and then I went to the next page and I just went down the rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) But you have um, under, uh, I don't remember which which page this was on, but bring into being. And I just, this resonated, this quote from your website resonated with me so much, this copy. Um, And I'm going to repeat it here. And then I want to discuss this with you because it's just so beautiful. It says under bring into being, here is a place to receive the empowerment, to take the chance, to make the change, to learn, to trust self. This is the moment that we acknowledge our potential and rise. Mm. I, I love this. I love this. I think that I think everybody needs to listen to this and really stop what they're doing and really tap into what their potential is. Because I feel like we all have gotten into this like sense of autopilot. And like you said, martyrdom. And I think this is so poignant given the current climate of everything that is going on in our culture as a whole. So what inspired you to write that? And what does that mean to you? Well, for me, that was actually a channeling that I had done through a meditation when I was, I I try to use that as the sort of bones of how I'm going to create the copy for my website. So that was a particular thing that came through in a channeling that I did through automatic writing. So I can't even claim that it's mine. Um, it's, it's mine in the sense that, it, you know, it's not anybody else's, but it, it didn't necessarily come from my genius, if you will, um, but rather from those who are, I'm fortunate to have guide me. But I, I feel that it encapsulates a very real part of this experience, which is that we we get caught up in the rat race. We get caught up in the what we should do, what our parents before us did. Maybe we didn't like what they did, so we're going to go all the way over into this field, but we still follow this sort of predictable paradigm of what we find to be most socially acceptable. And then we get caught up in the glitter and the, the glory of achievement and, and buying this new thing and buying that new thing. And pretty much before we know it, our entire focus is so externally related. And yet so many of us do as I did. And they look around their lives and they're like, wow, this really feels like shit. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I don't feel like this is my vibe whatsoever. And they, and for most of us, you know, I, I don't think that we necessarily feel comfortable leaping into that unknown or taking uncalculated risks or trusting in the internal voice because we have been raised and spoon fed this listen to me outside of you kind of, you know, paradigm of living. And so for me, that passage really represents the need to turn the focus from what we can attain or seek or grab at that is outside of us and turn it around. And to understand that within us all, we have so much power, creative power, so much possibility and purpose that is gestating within. 
But we have to acknowledge it and we have to call it forth and we have to be willing to do the work to reset our alignment so that we can begin to live a life that's more internally focused as opposed to externally focused. And then we rise. And And rise. Right. We're fulfilled. But rise means rise is a a very, it's a very open-ended word because that means different things for different people. For some, it could mean I feel whole. For others, it could mean that I achieve great things and I'm recognized on the world stage. You know, everybody has their iteration of of rise. And, And that's great. Like tap into that iteration because that is the medicine you need to sort of unfurl that gestating greatness within yeah, and I think that we are so quick to to blame and shame and judge and, and, you know, quick to go in what I call below the cross emotions. And I think why it was so poignant to me is that it really is predicated on this is who you are. Basically tune out the bullshit of everything that's going on around you and focus on you because you are here for a reason. You, your software is laying dormant. And so you need to tap into that and figure out how it is that you and why, but what you are here to do and serve, like, why are you here? And you're so, like you said, caught up in the consumerism and the political climate and the governmental climate and all the bullshit that's going on around us that you're so distracted that you're not focusing on it. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think that that's why. Um, again, I'm going to come back to your Instagram account. Like it just like fills me up and makes me feel freaking rad and like makes me want to like go out and hug a tree and put my feet in the grass and like connect. And yeah, without a doubt. Um, another thing that I, you know, and, and this really, I think, um, while I, uh, the last two couple of days I've been reading Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness. And so I love that on your website, you say I'm a veil lifter, a soothsayer, a sassy, witchy mama. <laughs> and I love this because I think that we are so polarized with those terms. We are so polarized that you're going against the norm by saying those words. <gasps> Oh my God, you're admitting that you're a soothsayer. Oh my God, you're a sorcerer. You're a witchy witch. Like, oh my God. So I do know that I have audience members that listen to this show and I, I know that they need to break out. I know that they need to rise. I need I, They need to tap into that potential that they have within them because they are ignoring their, their software And I think I love the fact, and and we were talking about this earlier, that you're willing to put your stake in the ground and say, bitch, this is who I am. (laughs) And I am okay with that. So for those who are listening, I'm just, you know, if if that, I'm proud of you because it takes a lot of guts to come out and say, yes, this is who I am. And I'm okay with saying this. Um, I do think that it's, it's quite empowering, but for those who are maybe, um, a little scared to step out or really claim who they are. Or I was just talking to a woman yesterday who is highly intuitive. She's a Mormon and she's like, Oh no, Jesus speaks through me. And I'm like, honey, whatever the hell you want to call it. Like if that's what makes you comfy, 
So what do you say to people who are maybe, you know, because they're in the herd, you know, and they're going with the norm and they're afraid to rise because of this, that, or the other thing or, or going against convention. They're afraid to head into that wilderness. What do you say to them? How do you, how do you help them get to this place where you're like, I'm a witch and I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know what? I, honestly, what I'm going to say might seem counterproductive, but this is why I explained that rise means something so different per the individual. Not everybody is going to be like me and make these rash decisions and just throw themselves into it and feel okay with that. What, you know, this is why none of the work that we do is cookie cutter. Um, but what I would say to, to those who have that inner calling is that you need to find the best expression for what you're prepared to do right now. And that is going to grow. Where we begin on this journey is nowhere near where we expected to go. And what we faced and what we encountered and what we were willing to own is not the same that maybe we were willing to own to begin with. When I first started off with my own website and building my community, I was exceptionally reticent to label myself with anything other than maybe just saying an intuitive coach because I did, number one, I was business savvy and I was like, well, I, you know, I'm kind of a Jane of all trades. So how do I word this? But I also realized that I, certain words hold certain connotation, but they hold that connotation because of what is passed down. And this circles back to what we discussed earlier about how we really need to evaluate whether the beliefs and whether the truths, the accepted truths that are allowed to influence our behavior in our physical reality are in fact ours, or if they're something that we've had impressed upon us. And that is a journey. You have to really be willing to open yourself to the possibility that maybe they're not your beliefs. And that takes an act of, it is, it takes an act of, of courageousness to be willing to acknowledge that you're going to have to go against the grain and come up with your own definitions. And for those who are not yet there, but yet know there's something brewing and something ready to sort of just unfurl like a seed in spring, I really encourage you to simply tap into your soul and to listen to what that calling is, and to make the changes as you feel comfortable. Everybody is different. What works for one is not going to work for the other. So this isn't about thinking, okay, I can do it like Laura did, or I can do it like Amanda did, and I can make my life so much better by following the paradigm of someone else. This is really about listening to our own internal paradigm and honoring where we are at, honoring what we feel capable of, and slowly inching beyond that comfort zone and allowing the skin to rub a little raw, you know, let it feel a little uncomfortable. Let's test our theories and just see how that experience translates in our physical reality. And the more that we can do that, the more that we can slowly integrate our labels as we define them. You know, which to me probably doesn't mean the same thing that it means to 10 different people if you were to gather them, because I've defined it for myself and I feel comfortable attaching myself to that label because of the name I put to it. 
Same thing with this journey that your your listeners should embrace within themselves is to evaluate what has guided and influenced their beliefs and their truths to ask whether that is where and who they are now. And then if it's not to come up with their own and be willing to make that assessment and trust in it. What does witch mean for you? What does intuitive mean to you? What does, you know, holistic mean for you? Any of these things. Just self. Or self. Yeah. What is your, what is spirit, soul? I had the hardest time when I started kind of opening my own healing journey, attaching to the words and being able to use the word spirit or soul because it was so ingrained in my Catholicism that was very minutely, but yet still it's amazing how minutely it was influenced or rather it was impressed upon me, but yet how massively it impacted me. I was so reticent to use those terms because they were so diametrically opposed to my, at the time, perception of witchcraft. And the idea for me is that if you can define those terms yourself, then you don't feel any sort of reticence to attaching to them because it's not what you were told by someone else. It's not predicated on so-and-so's experience. It's, It's based entirely on your experience. And that determiner of your personal attachment is what allows you to own that label in a way that's holistic and not limiting. I agree. I I think that you have to give yourself permission um, to not be attached to an outcome and give yourself permission to explore and experiment and implement and really make it whatever it is to you. I think Mm -hmm. that is exactly the the right answer to how to uh, open yourself up and and crack open um, what's within you. I'm curious, Laura, what now age thing are you coveting most right now? Oh, meditation pyramids. Oh, awesome. I have, I have so many friends that are using those and doing them and I don't have room in my house to do it. I might put one out in my patio, but what's it like? Tell us that experience. Well, I'm going to blow your mind because they actually offer smaller ones that you can put either literally on your head like a hat or that you could hang ever so carefully from your ceiling to right above where you will sit in meditation. So it sort of umbrellas your head. I love it. Okay, so just explain to the audience what a meditation pyramid even is because there are probably people going, wait, what the hell are they talking about? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So first of all, we have to look. So meditation pyramids are based on this premise that both metal resonates and has a very uh, visceral reaction and and cleansing and a tuning effect upon the body. It's a conduit and, too, right? Yeah, and a conduit, yes, absolutely. And that pyramid, the, the shape of a pyramid itself has very mystical connotations. Obviously, looking back to the, the mathematics, and I could create a whole other sacred geometry conversation related to, <laughs> to that topic. But the idea is, is that when you bridge the shape of the pyramid with the conduit of the metal, whether copper, brass, rose gold, you know, traditional gold, sterling, silver, etc., that you create this environment through which your body experiences and elevated. And by body, I don't just mean physical, though that is part of it, but your energetic, um, emotional, mental, and physical bodies experience a much stronger and sort of 
more open portal for what you are doing in meditation, even if that is simply to calm and to relax yourself. So meditation pyramids are sort of my jam right now. <laughs> Do you add crystals to that or are you just using the pyramid right now? No, I've always worked with crystals. In fact, that was what started me on um, kind of branching into other holistic therapies. Stone medicine has been such a huge part of my meditation. These days, I've, I've started to kind of do meditation without stones. But for the longest, longest time, when I developed um, my more consistent meditation program, stones were a must for me. I knew this was going to fly by. It's already been an hour. Um, I want to close with you sharing some of your non-negotiables as far as self-care goes. How do you really take care of yourself and what are the things that are so important to you that it is absolutely a non-negotiable that you would not book a client during that time or, um, you know, sacrifice yourself for the sake of somebody else's agenda? Mm. You know, as a mom, I'm going to, I'm going to say to your listeners that it's, it's time to, to listen in to stop what you're doing <laughs> because whether it's sacred self care from the work that we do helping others or just the sacred self care and the break that we do from helping our families, it's so crucial to tend to those internal wells. We can only show up and be as capable with others as we are for ourselves. And furthermore, that sets the tone for how others are going to treat us. So for me, my non-negotiables is I need, I need time for my reading. I read prolifically, disgustingly so. And if I don't have opportunities to just sit with a book and to escape, whether it's learning about something or it's mindless, you know, jargon, fiction, what have you, I need that opportunity to just drown out the sound around me. And that is my more active form of my second, which is meditation. I need, I have lived a good portion of my life having no meditation in my life whatsoever and telling myself that I didn't need it, that it wouldn't work for me. And I've lived the second half of my life having that practice in place. And the, I won't even go into the intuitive benefits though. It does amplify our intuition, but the psychological benefits, the, the way that it makes us look fresher to think fresher to feel so much more controlled and aligned with if, if anybody's out there and has trouble with anxiety or depression or anger, panic or attacks, panic attacks, <laughs> meditation. And, and it's so easy to do, even though we complicate it so much in our Western society. That's our, that's uh, our MO. That's what yeah, that's our, that's our way of doing. That's what we do, man. <laughs> like we've got to make it complicated or just not American, but Back to it. meditation is so simple. And even if you're just sitting down and there's times where that's what I do, I sit down in front of my altar. I sit down on my bed. I sit down even sometimes on the couch while my little one's taking a nap. And I just listen to my breath and feel the rise and the decline of my chest. And that can be all the meditation I need, but it is, it is exponentially increased the wellness in my life and my sense of, of just being able to juggle the many hats that I wear. And the last one is baths. I'm sorry, but I need myself a hot bath with some essential oils, some crystals and herbs thrown in, and just an opportunity to 
to take a break and to do nothing. I don't read. I don't meditate per se. I just allow myself to let the water do what the element of water does naturally and to allow the implements of stone medicine or herbs that I happen to throw in to do what they do naturally. And I just open myself up to be the receptacle for which whatever they do can, can do what it needs to do for me. I love it. I baths are essential. You know, when you're looking at your etheric emotional body, you know, we've got all of these um, energy systems that surround us. And so baths are crucial to cleaning your energetic system out so that you get rid of all I imagine Charlie Brown, that character pig pen with all the shit swirling around him. Take a bath and it all goes away. Right. Oh, that's why bath medicine is such an important one. Whether you are paying attention to the intuitive arts or not, it's amazing. Once you begin to open to this this woo, as we were talking about, you realize that we collect so much from our environment and even our own internal environment on us. And baths are like the reset button for me. Mm, I love it. And I'm just out of curiosity, what book is on your nightstand right now? <laughs> oh, you know what? I wish I had my Kindle here. I don't actually have a physical book on my on my iPad. I have the Kindle app, and I'm reading Planetary Magic. I'm reading an Ivy Morgan witchy spiritual sort of mystery novel. It's like a cozy mystery. I'm reading, um, oh, goodness, what was the other one? Overachiever over here. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I do because you know what I do at night? I, I told you I'm a prolific reader. I have to read at least 20 minutes out of the first sort of four or five books that are listed in my iPad because all of them represent a different – that's the Pisces sun with a Virgo moon and a Virgo ascendant. I've got lots of little personalities I got to – I got to – <laughs> got to devote some time to. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Laura, I want to, first and foremost, so much gratitude for saying yes to this interview. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, stalker over here is just so freaking giddy that you said yes. Um, if people are interested in learning more about you or uh, want to work with you, where can they find you? If you just go to ofspiritandbone.com, then you can find everything you need to know, whether it's signing up for my Lumina magazine, which is the monthly publication that I put out that provides an astrological report as well as um, tarot readings for each of the signs. Or if you want to hire me for a tarot reading or if you want to go into intuitive medicine, all of that is available right there at the website. It's so seamless to go through. I kind of devised it to be as user-friendly as I sometimes need websites to be (laughs) (laughs) and don't be surprised if you jump down the rabbit hole because I swear I never go to people's websites because I want to like come in like a shiny new child and be like well what about this and what about this and I was like oh my god this is brilliant oh my god oh my god oh my god (laughs) and I was like oh shit I've gone through the whole website now (laughs) 
lots of buns. Yes, no. But yeah, I mean, that that, that makes me feel good because I do. I, I, I want it to be that container. Not just even if you don't want to hire me for a service, read the blog, sign up for the magazine. There's lots of resources and ways that I like to help others that may not be at the point where they're ready to actually do a one-on-one session. It's just, I think for me, it was just very thought provoking. And I think it, it just, for me personally, as I was going through it, I think that there is so much, there's so much there that kind of stops you in your tracks and you go, hmm, this is something I should consider. This is something that I should, that I should maybe think about. So, you know, and I appreciate that because as I get older, it's definitely something that I'm trying to do more and more of is to get less and less swept up by all the chaos that's going on around me and really creating my own flow in life. And so, um, I think that for those who are listening, I think that something like this could be exactly the interruption of life that you need to really connect with what you're here to do and how you can serve and how to crack open what's within you. Mm, Thank you so much. You're a gem. You truly are. As Laura mentioned in the podcast, the word rise means something different to all of us. This platform, this podcast was started in 2011 because I wanted to inform, teach, and empower those who are willing to listen in and have the courage to make the change and find the potential within them. I hope you are inspired to rise whatever that means to you. And even though this podcast has gone way over an hour, I'm going to leave you with pieces of Jim Carrey's commencement speech that he gave at the Maharishi University of Management in 2014. And I'm going to ask you to stop what you're doing, to fully embrace the words that I'm about to say. How will you choose to serve the world? What do they need that your talent can provide? This, this is all you need to figure out. Your need for acceptance can make you invisible in this world. And don't let anything stand in the way of the light that shines through you. Risk being seen in all of your glory. Your eyes are not viewers. They are projectors that are running a second story that we see in front of us all the damn time. Fear Fear is writing that script, and the working title of that script, you'll never be enough. Stop making conscious choices to perceive challenges as something beneficial so that you can deal with them in a productive way. There are only two choices, only two, love or fear. Choose love, and don't ever allow fear to turn against your heart, because ultimately, We are not the avatars that we create. We are the light that we allow to shine through. So ask yourself, how will you serve the world? I want to thank you for listening today. This is Amanda Gates on Home Energy Design. If you'd like more information, please visit my website at gatesinteriordesign.com or email me at letschat at thegatescompany.com. Hey, everyone. Trust the vibe, because the energy never lies.